while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Coast tonight, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. So uh, we were talking in the first hour. I just want to continue the conversation a bit more on Sheriff Harrow's uh, announcement on South Coast tonight. Last last night, uh, around the 9 o'clock hour, you can check out the podcast if you want to hear his complete comments. We talked about a whole bunch of other important stuff that I had actually planned on writing about. <laughs> but... Um, like really important stuff like uh you know he's identified an actual expert in suicide prevention that he wants to bring on he's hoping to bring on he had had his old boss uh in the philadelphia jails and a couple other massachusetts department of corrections um some old um uh, administrators there who had a lot of years of experience to evaluate the facilities he had a new sick time policy which he thinks is going to save um the, the sheriff's office uh, money there was so much to unpack in that interview but and we will in time, you know, once the dust settles here, we will because there was a lot to talk about and I thought it was really important stuff. But it all sort of got washed out by Haro's fairly casual announcement that he wants to close the Ash Street Jail or he has a plan to close the Ash Street Jail and build out the ICE detention facility for single cells in order to move the individuals at the Ash Street Jail. To a more modern correctional facility, which he also said would entail moving the staff there. He doesn't want to make any cuts or layoffs. He wants to just move the staff over there. And it would also fulfill the need for him to have more staff in Dartmouth, which is what he wants. And what I guess he says the BCSO needs. So major change. I mean, major change, I think. He'd seem pretty... Switzerland on Ash Street at, at a certain, uh, you know, somewhat. He he was weary about closing it, but he at least conceptualized, I guess, an idea. And now he's moving forward and trying to get the funding. So he's it's not just like one of these sort of Elon Musk type of I have an idea, but you know, you figure it out. He's saying like here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work with DCAM, the Division of uh, Asset Capital Management and Maintenance. Um which is a state agency that would have to be involved in building this out, getting engineers involved. The Massachusetts Department of Correction would obviously be one of the major stakeholders. That's what John Darling said today. Uh, today, Massachusetts Department of Correction would be one of the major stakeholders. They audit the um, they audit the the Bristol County Sheriff's Office twice a year, so they would have to you know make sure that this is this is uh, doable. But 
you know, Superintendent Steve Souza was there. He said it's doable. Um, again, I, I think everybody was pretty much adapting pretty nimbly to the um, to the announcement. But again, I, I, you know, I went to to Ash Street today. I took a very cursory look, so you have to look more at it. But uh, you know, just looking at it. And, you know, everybody there that's working there is working hard to make sure everybody's as safe as possible and all of that. But it's hard to say a 135-year-old facility is an optimal place for inmate habita- uh, for inmate habitation, human habitation, really. So, and I think he's spelled out pretty clearly how this is a win-win-win. It cuts down on costs just on utilities and all of that. Frankly, I think if it costed more money, it shouldn't even matter. <laughs> Honestly, if it was going to cost them more money to, to do this, then, you know, if they were going to save money just by being an Ash Street, I, I don't feel as though that matters because we're talking about humans and whether or not they should be housed in a more modern and comfortable environment. And I, so I do, like, it does save money, which is something you've got to pitch as an elected official. I get it, right? You got to say, "Hey, listen, it's going to save you money." But I feel like it's barely it should barely be a consideration. It also centralizes uh, the inmates to uh, a lot more programming and services that the you know that the that the sheriff's office offers makes it easier to get to. Um, you know. Uh, Cuts down a lot of the logistical costs, driving those meals over, um, you know, being able to get, I guess, more immediately prepared meals, which I think would be better. Um, So, and, you know, just the operational fluency of having everybody there, you know, uh, just having everybody in one centralized location in Dartmouth makes a lot more sense for the regional lockup component. He did say, cause there were chiefs of police that were concerned that they, you know, some places don't have a more, you know, don't have a, a good lockup. I will say public safety centers are being built in a lot of places. I think fall river has a new one. We know new Bedford has a new one. I know in Fairhaven there's one that's been in the works. Maybe that will come with a, you know, a more, a better uh, lockup facility or more comprehensive lockup facility. I don't know, but he said he's going to, there's going to be a buffer. There's like a 20, 30 cell buffer because there's about 96 inmates there. And so he said, they'll be able to, they will be able to, um, how, you know, do the regional lockup thing in terms of like other counties and stuff. You know, I kind of, I talked to Donna Buckley, who's the Democrat sheriff in Barnstable County. She was on the show a couple of weeks after she got elected, right? And she took it, she'd taken a seat that had been held for, by a Republican. It was an open election, but it had been held by a Republican for about 24, 25 years. And she had said, my position is Bristol County should hold Bristol County uh, residents or whatever Bristol County cases. And Barnesville County should hold Barnesville County cases, right? And so it could be a situation where, like, in due time, they're going to say, hey, listen, you got to start figuring this out on your own. 
because uh, I don't know why a guy from Tro has to go all the way to New Bedford to be held, uh, you know, in a wait process. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, you know, we're talking about the Adam Howe case and all of that. So, again, this seems to make a lot of sense. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. I talked to a few legislatures on the record. Pat Haddad, um, I talked to. She said, you know, the expectation, what we expect from people who are are, are uh, incarcerated 100 years ago, 135 years ago, is much different than what we expect now. I think we're, you know, modernizing our opinions on, on you know, why people get incarcerated and how they should be treated because they're people. And, you know, she said, you know, the they called it, she called the jail an antique. Uh, Chris Markey, who's a defense attorney when he's not in Beacon Hill, uh, and he was an ADA um, under Sutter, I believe. But he uh, he was an ADA for a while as well. He said, um, you know, due to the criminal justice reform bill in 2018, due to some Supreme Judicial Court decisions on bail reform and, you know, limiting more limiting the scope of bail, uh, like the Brannigan case, that the county jail populations have been lower. They have been lower in Massachusetts. That is a statistical fact. They've been lower in Massachusetts, and I'm sure that it, that that is true in Bristol County as well. So it definitely allows for, because Ash Street will have more than 120 cells. Uh, Ashley has more than 120 cells. I think um, Hero said there's several hundred, but they only have 96 people there. So, and I don't think they've ever had more than, you know, more than that. And there's probably, like I said, with the change in the laws and all of that, there's probably not a need for it. So, it makes a lot of sense to centralize the locations. It's basically what Chris Markey had said. He's going to talk more about that later. Uh, he's going to call in. He's, he was at the um, public hearing for the the Title V septic regulations in Dartmouth. Again, Senator Montigny filed some good legislation on that. We'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. I talked to Tony Cabral, well known opponent of, of Tom Hodgson during his uh, you know during Hodgson's time as sheriff, and represents the you know his district is where Astry is in. So Astry is in, in his district. He said, you know, he's supported the uh, he supported the closure of Ash Street for a while. He's looking forward to the tour. And um, that everybody I had on the I talked to a lot of talked to a lot of people today. I can't even tell you how many te- people I texted today. <laughs> it was a lot. It texted a lot. Of, I texted a lot of people today. Um, so I think that's everybody I talked to. If, the, if I missed anybody, you can find the, the, the complete commentary on WBSM.com on the article. But there's at least early support for this, for this, for this move, for this move. And if it's $10 million, it's, that's not nothing for sure, but it's something that I think the legislature could work together and uh, secure. There's a lot of very powerful uh, members of Beacon Hill that are in Bristol County. So if they see that this is a workable plan, then it's something they can definitely achieve. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me on the program this evening. Uh, So, again, he said he's going to take about three to five years to get going. So a lot of the immediate concerns around 
like what are you going to do, you know, for the regional lockup component and all that. It's still going to be around for a while. Uh, this stuff does take a while. When actually, when I talked to Pat Haddad today, she had said this is going to take a long time. So, you, you know, you probably got to be a little bit, uh, you know, a little patient on, you know, how this develops. And I'd asked Hero if this was a signal that he's done with or that the BCSO is done with any operations in terms of ICE because he's going to take the ICE detention facility, which presumably if he had secured a 287G contract could just start up again. Everything's there. Everything's in place. But he said, you know, he stuck to what he was talking about during the campaign. He said immigration's not an issue that he is going to. He said it's an important issue, but not one that he thinks should be within the purview of sheriff. He said he also reserved the right to talk about issues that aren't necessarily within that purview, too. He had said, you know, Sheriff Hodgson's an elected official. As an elected official, you have the platform to speak out on issues, but he felt as though the sheriff should run the county jails. I do want to have a broader conversation with him, and it kind of, uh, you know, we it was just a matter of the timing and all of that, uh, but he had talked about selling the mobile command center to, or donating, not selling, donating the mobile command center to the Totten Police Department. Um, I know he said that, you know, the sheriff's office is always going to have an ancillary law enforcement um, capab- uh, uh, um, function, responsibility, but... You know, I don't think he's going to expand upon it. Uh, I think his primary concern is, you know, ensuring that inmates are best equipped to reenter society after they've been incarcerated at the BCSO, um, you know, effectively. So I do want to have a broader conversation with him uh, on that about the law enforcement capabilities and what i mean getting rid of the mobile command centers sounds like a winnowing down of those of that purview but it is something that he'd said like he said he said his primary responsibility says we have enough to do here the federal government hasn't reached out to me about whether or not they need my services for ice and frankly i don't you know i don't have uh so still i think kind of leaving the door open but said we have enough going on here i'm not looking you know i'm not going out and looking for any added responsibilities based on running the county jails essentially i agree with that opinion i don't think the Local law enforcement agencies should be doing the work of the federal law enforcement agencies. There's some Supreme Court precedent, too, on, like, the federal government not being able to basically give directives to local law enforcement agencies on what they should and shouldn't be doing. There is supposed to be um, a a great deal of autonomy for localized, um, you know, law enforcement agencies like the sheriff... And there's some debate on whether or not the sheriff is a law enforcement capacity. You know, Hero had said there's some law enforcement responsibilities. It is recognized as a law enforcement officer in, I believe, the Massachusetts Constitution or in Mass General Law. But when I, you know, when I talked to Donna Buckley, the sheriff in Cape Cod, I think she had said it was basically a ceremonial uh, designation that local police, uh, uh, local police um, departments should be handling the law enforcement policy there. And one of the things, one of the arguments was basically that, you know, your policies are set by your elected officials, your mayors or your select boards, right? And they dictate how, you know, they hire the chiefs of police. 
they dictate on, you know, and the chiefs of police work on law enforcement policy and having that over, you know, having a collaborative ancillary relationship is one thing, but, you know, doing things like going out patrolling is another thing. It's sort of a disruptor, you know, what she had said is a disruptor of the, 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 the fabric of, you know, that local law enforcement's culture and what they want to do in their neighborhoods. I mean, for the talk of having some, having gradual change, it is definitely just the announcement that he has a plan that he has in his, in his short time as sheriff. And during the transition period, he has developed a plan to close Ash street. You've got to say is a major change from where Sheriff Hodgson was. Sheriff Hodgson had steadfastly maintained that Ash Street was perfectly fine, was perfectly fine, and in fact necessary for the operations of the Sheriff Department. Uh, he said to me on air that, that the place is so clean you can eat off the floors there, right? So Haro said when I had had him on after he said he was surprised at the conditions of Ash Street Jail when he had toured it, he said it was old, but it wasn't dirty. He had not committed to not closing it, but he had not committed to closing it. He said he'd have to uh, evaluate it, but he said he was heartened by some of the amenities that the inmates had gotten. He said it was old, but it was not dirty. And I had asked him, do you think it's fit for inmate habitation? And he said, just at a cursory glance, yes, but I want to look into it further. Now, there's obviously a lot of other concerns. Um, you know, you heard Marlene Pollock calling from the BCCJ talking about some of the accounting she had gotten from inmates, and they had been pretty tapped into uh, the inmate population there and the goings on there. Um, and, you know, when I had clients that were in Ash Street in the very beginning of the COVID pandemic, you know, we were doing hearings at the we were doing remote hearings. It was like by telephone at Attleboro District Court for some reason. But we were doing remote hearings, and every attorney that came up had depicted quite a horrific scene, uh, especially when you consider the high level of panic that we were at uh, in, the, in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, a pretty horrific scene of the conditions there and how a lot of inmates there were legitimately concerned for their health and safety. So again... I think better can be done, and I think a lot of people could and should agree that this is a reasonable solution. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. I hear the train coming. It's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know Welcome back. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison and time keeps dragging. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrell, 508-996-0500. So you can join me this evening or else take your message on the WBSM app chat. Looking at uh, some of the app chat messages uh, from... Um, from Jenna New Bedford, she points out that there are some people that say they prefer Ash Street. There was an inmate, actually, a former inmate that had called in or said they were former inmate that called in the Tim show earlier today that uh, said they stayed at both Dartmouth and Ash Street and they prefer Ash Street because of the individual cells. Again, I think there could be better ones. 
There's always room for improvement. If something can make the conditions better for the people detained as well as the staff working there, that it should be something that's worth fighting for. And then he said uh, he can conceptualize something and then put it into action. He's a breath of fresh air. I mean, that's what a lot of people, I guess, voted for. Um, you know, uh, obviously, if Sheriff Hodgson won the election, we wouldn't be having a conversation about Ash Street. It would be open for at least another six years. Harrow's uh, at least having the conversation publicly uh, very early in his tenure, which I didn't expect. Um, so... You know, if you supported Haro and that was one of the reasons you did, you're you're pretty happy about that. Obviously, you supported Hodge and you think Ashtree should be there for one reason or another. You're, you're horrified, right? But, yeah, it's a, it's a, again, he's having the conversation a lot earlier than I thought he would. Um, and, again, I, I think part of that is I don't think he appreciated the, uh, or, you know, just the, the, the gravity of it. Um, maybe it's because we live down here, you know, we're, we're down here. In New Bedford and Ashtree is much more ubiquitous, you know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's me because I'm, you know, I was a defense attorney. I have no idea. Uh, but it was a huge statement. And so a lot of people, I mean, like everybody in the media was there today. Everybody that you could think of. Every outlet was there, including us. WBSM was there. But everybody was there. Everybody you could think of. So um, I don't know if you expect the conversation to be this much intensified this quickly. But, you know, not that he was... You know, he was just pretty, he was pretty open about it. He said, this is an idea. It needs money. And if he gets the money, he'll do it. And he thinks it's going to be $10 million. He thinks it's going to be the state legislature that's going to do it. I talked to members of the state legislature. One of them is going to be joining me later. A lot of them seem to be supportive of the plan. In terms of what's uh, being done, uh, what could be done for the Ash Street Jail, like the property? Um... In terms of what could be done for the property, I mean, Barry asked, I was, I called into Barry's today just to kind of preview, just talk about, you know, the conversation I had with Harrell last night and just kind of preview the the visit to the Ash Street Jail today. One of the th things, um, you know, I see app chat messages that, you know, could be a homeless shelter or soup kitchen. I think kind of the point is that they don't want, people should live there. Uh, so of doing that is they don't think people should live there. Um, maybe museum is another one. It is like optically putting aside the, the people live there, right? Optically, it looks cool. Like it looks like an old prison that you'd see in the movies optically. Like the, you know, they have the crank to open the doors and all of that. And the cells are very traditional type of jail cells that you'd see. In you know, Shawshank Redemption gets brought up a lot. That's because it's like the most famous prison movie of all time. But Shawshank Redemption, you know, Andy Dufresne, right? Um, but uh, so maybe a museum could be a thing. You know, I'm always a big believer in historic preservation, right? But with a place like Astrid... There might be some people that are more attached to it than others in terms of the history there. And the history there is interesting. But if they can use that property or use that space to fulfill a more immediate public good, if they're able to move to Dartmouth, the inmates, that's something I would definitely prefer a lot more. 
like I talked to Ward Five Councilor, City Councilor Scott Lima today, whose ward is you know Ward Five is is the those neighborhoods over there and over over around Buttonwood Park, and he said. I'd like to, you know, he says, I'd like to, instead of being a ward counselor presiding over the oldest operating jail in the country, be presiding over, you know, a more robust workforce labor housing. So the history of it is fascinating. But I think there's also a conversation to be had about the, the public, you know, what public good can be done. It's ultimately owned by the state. So they'll have to decide what to do with it. But can there be something done where maybe it's a community benefit and maybe some more money in the tax rolls for New Bedford? 508-996-0500. Good evening. Yeah, so I guess it would be a big deal if the uh, oldest jail in the country, you know, is no longer ever going to be a jail. Once they close it, I don't think it'll ever be a jail. No, definitely won't. But do all the inmates and all... And all of the officers want it closed? Like, have they been all advocating for it to be all one unit over in Dartmouth? Does it matter? Well, yeah, because you were saying the safety of the officers and the inmates. I'm saying, were they themselves wanting to not be? Because, I mean, it's, it's the sh- it'll be the sheriff's decision, the state legislature's decision. No, but- I understand whose decision it would be. The inmates don't get to vote on it. Yeah. Um- what I'm saying is uh, most of the inmates, because you said you've. You know, you've been there, talked to inmates. Do most of the inmates and most of the officers, like, want that jail to close down? Was that part of it? Because I know there's advocacy groups, but I wondered what the majority of people that have spent time on the inside there and work there think about it closing. Yeah, I mean, someone from the advocacy groups had called in and said they had gotten, you know, correspondence from people in the jail talking about some of the conditions there, which they found to be unsanitary. There are some people that say they prefer Ashtreet that it is a uh, because of the single cell, um, basically, and that's like the primary thing. So if you can make a single cell in a better place, uh, like if you gave them the option, hey, you can go to this newer this newer facility, you know, with a single cell, then it's. I think you'd be hard pressed yeah, to say. I think. I think. All like double set. Like they, in the House of Correction in Dartmouth, I think they're, if not most, all of them. The the main House of Correction, I think they're all double cells. Do they ever have like four in a room? I don't think they have four. I think it's two. So everybody with two. I what think it's everybody like with two. Not? I think it's everybody with two, and I think that that was one of the primary hangups with um, closing Ash Street in the first place. Is they need places for some inmates need single cells for for one reason or another. So there's like no single cells over in Dartmouth? I can't say there's no single cells, but what I can say is there's not enough. At the very least, what we can say for sure is that there's not enough to relocate the 90 some odd inmates that are in Ash Street. That's that's that is that has to be a fact. Otherwise, they would do it. Like, what's the difference in the type of inmate that at Ash Street they need single cells and in Dartmouth they can have there might be certain me- there might be certain mental health considerations there is also considerations on maybe the type of uh, offense that person is charged with there's also uh, gang affiliations um, that may require an individual to be housed at a singular cell for safety purposes there's myriad reasons that's what I was thinking like whereas if everybody's all on one campus it almost seems like I think it would be more difficult for the officers to try to keep them all 
you know, kind of separate, <laughs> you know, like maybe they keep some of them in one, one area to just keep the peace in there. I, I wonder if that'll make a difference. Well, if they're in a separate building, I, there's, there's not going to be, if they're, in, if they're in a separate building, like if those inmates have to be housed separately in a separate building, then I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it matters. I don't know if you've been to the house of correction, um, uh, complex. I have many of times. For, I've been to the uh, Ash street one, the Dartmouth one. I don't think I've ever been in that. Yeah. The, the, the house. So the, the, the ice detention facility is right at the beginning of the entrance, basically. And then the, the, the women's center, there's a women's center, and then there's the main house of correction. They're pretty far apart, so there wouldn't be a lot of inter interplay between. Oh, there's like a bunch of different buildings over there? There's at least three um, that I can think of just as in terms of, like, inmate housing. There's the ice detention facility. There's the women's center, which is a separate building where the, the women inmates are being held. And then there's the... Uh, and then there's the 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 main uh, house of correction in Dartmouth, which is the biggest building. So there's there's three buildings there in terms of inmate housing. So what do the offices like? Are the offices um, responsible for covering shifts at both, or do they have their own staffing at one and separate staffing? I don't mean in Dartmouth. I mean in Ashby. Yeah, I, th I think it's separately. St I think it's separately staffed. I think if you're, uh, but I I'd, I'd have to get confirmation on that. I, I but I. I think it's separately staffed. I think probably for continuity, it'd be a lot so easier. Have, so they haven't uh, worked on, you know, so basically all the officers would need to be, you know, basically retrained in how to work in a totally different facility. Yeah, I maybe. I don't know how many I people. And I'll just walk over there one day and, you know, if it's different and they haven't gone back and forth. Yeah, it'll it'll, you know, take, it'll take time. Know. It'll take time. The, the whole thing's going to take time. Yeah, because I would think, you know, it, it sounds like it would make sense to have them all in one area. Mm -hmm. What's the point of shuttling back and forth? Uh, you know, I guess that makes exactly. sense. But with Scott Lima saying, you know, he'd rather have it for housing, I'm saying if it's, if it's such an old facility that it's uninhabitable, well, that would require, why would it, it be housing? That would require knocking the facility down and building something else there, I think. Oh, so there's no, like, rehabbing that facility. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, cost I, effectively, I, you know, a lot of times it's more yeah. effective to knock things down and build. <laughs> no, of, of course. I just, I just don't know. I, I, in terms of like how, rehabbing it, like condominiums and all that, I, I don't know how that, I don't know how that, that would work. Um, I know. Like, really, <laughs> honestly, who would want to live in that? You know, right. That's kind of the point. And I think the money that you'd probably put in rehabbing a 135 year old building to, to make, However, many condominiums might be more cost effective right. to just the start. Area that it's in and the cost, you know, to rehab the building, it sounds like I don't know that it's the most desirable neighborhood to be paying a lot for a condo there. It's a, that's but not I'm, a bad neighborhood. Uh, you, think it's a bad, you think it's a bad neighborhood over there? I think there's, I, I I think there's really, worse places. I don't really know specifically. I never really thought about it. It's just like a jail. It's old. And I guess I didn't really. Well, isn't that part of the pro isn't that part of the problem, right? I think a lot of people may have um, misconceptions about the neighborhood there because of the jail, and it probably it definitely negatively affects uh, affects the property values over there. Yeah. So, so what I was thinking was, the Haro had also said he needs, you know, he would like to see more programs for getting people transitioned into the outside, you mm -hmm. know, functioning in society when they're totally released yeah and they also you know constantly the city and the councils are also saying they need um 
facilities for homeless people. They mm-hmm. need to solve the homelessness problem. They need mm-hmm. to solve the problem for people getting out of inmate, you know, getting out of jail and not necessarily being able to day one step it up and, and just completely function on the outside. So I was thinking, why wouldn't it be used for some of those purposes? Yeah. Um, I mean, not to say if it's not inhabitable, then it's not, you know, but I'm saying as opposed to being homeless. Yeah, I think they keep they, it running with just just, you know. I, I think yeah. one of the well, one of the pitches he's making is that the utility costs will, will decrease significantly. So, if that place were to be maintained, uh, you know, be open, and the utility costs would still remain, um, then it would be a net negative in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of savings. So, I think if I think the I think if he's going to centralize look, loca- th- the whole the whole point one of the one of the main points he's trying to make is it's going to centralize operations there in Dartmouth. So I think he probably wants nothing to do with New Bedford, or in terms of like having satellite campuses throughout the county or in New Bedford anywhere. I think he just wants everything in Dartmouth where where he is and where most of where pretty much everybody Which, else who's know, not working Ashford is. Makes sense. I mean that you know, I can see the reasons why that would make sense, but I'm just thinking what can be done with that building because there's there's a lack of homeless shelters, there's a lack of housing, there's a lack mm-hmm. of, you know, places to put people. You know? So, I w- yeah, I'd like to see if, they, if there was any way to, you know, not just let it sit there empty like so, so many other buildings throughout the city. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they'd they they'd have to do something with it that ultimately would be up to the state i imagine there might be a public comment period but a lot, you know housing's been the big thing everybody's been talking about the low stock, housing stock in new bedford so right and tim was talking about raising revenue by you know i guess you know having movie people come and you know do movies there but i mean that doesn't go on forever yeah, it could be a few years. I don't. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm not well acclimated with that. I know in Salem, like, because they do a lot of movies in Salem, to the point where Salem's developed their own. You know, they have their own city like movie office. Remember when I had Kim Driscoll on to talk about it? So, I mean, if there's, I mean, New Bedford has been the site of a lot of uh, filmmaking uh, over the last uh, few years. Uh, Fairhaven as well. Actually, when I was on the board uh, on the board in Fairhaven and the Board of Public Works, we approved a scene that was shot with. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. So there's been a lot of filmmaking here. I don't know if that could be a, a revenue driver. It might be, but listen, I got to take this break. I'm going to hold you there. I appreciate your call. Okay, good Thanks. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Here's a message. Spent all day hearing about the news. Now's your chance to react to it. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Call Chris and Marcus now at 508-996-0500. Or send a text via app chat on the WBSM app. Now, back to South Coast tonight. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Chris Markey, state rep from Dartmouth, is going to be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour at some point. Uh, we hope uh, he's in the middle of that um, public meeting about the Title V septic regulations, which we're going to talk about a little uh, in the 9 o'clock hour as well. Senator Montigny had filed some legislation, um, basically, to put the DEP in check. So we'll see. Um, and I got, the, uh, I got that correspondence earlier today from... Montigny's legislative uh, aide, uh, Audrey Riding, who is a UMass Law alumni, just like me. Graduated in the same class, actually. But so we'll um, 
we will uh, we'll talk about that in the nine o'clock hour. The movie thing, the the last call I brought up, the movie thing that Tim was talking about earlier. Tim knows a lot more about in terms of like antiquities and museums and paranormal stuff and what's what's marketable and what's not. It's more of his wheelhouse than mine. Um, you know, he'd said that Lizzie Borden wasn't necessarily held there, but it was in like a different section. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a selling point. You know, a, a significant revenue driver, but it, would it, would a museum be a good thing? I can't. Um, I can't, uh, I can't speak to it. Uh, it would be cool. I, I suppose it would be cool. Um, in terms of the movie thing, you know, like I said, one of the interesting things when I talked with, uh, Kim Driscoll is now the Lieutenant governor, but when she was mayor of Salem and a candidate for Lieutenant governor, you know, there's a lot of movies that are shot in Salem, right? Like Hocus Pocus comes to mind and so much, so, and you know, all Salem's history with the witch trials and the paranormal and all of that. Uh, Kim Driscoll had said that they have actually have a movie office within the within the city government. Um, this area has become a hotspot for shooting movies. I, uh, like I said, when I, on the Board of Public Works of Fairhaven, the elected position I hold, we approved. You know, they they came to us. One of the members of the production team for the that movie, Finest Kind, the fishing movie that stars Tommy Lee Jones, we approved a. They came to us. They needed our approval to basically take over the, the the parking lot there in order to shoot a scene at Fort Phoenix with Tommy Lee Jones. And, uh, you know, gladly voted yes for that, for Tommy Lee Jones uh, to, to shoot a scene there. But the, the South Coast has become a pretty hot attraction. There's the, the movie with, um, the movie with uh, Charlie Hunnam, right? It was pretty good. I went to see it. Hugh Dunn actually is an extra in that movie. Uh, and uh, the, the boxing movie with Charlie Hunnam. I liked it. It was cool. You got to see a lot of things that, you know, like the old the old, um, the old, old smokestacks at the Brayton Point Power Plant were in it before they got, you know, knocked down. Uh, you got to see Union. Uh, you got to see, um, not Union Street, but uh, where over by where uh, Freestones is. What street? Is that Elm? Got to see those streets. Oh, William Street. That's William Street. Jeez. That's William Street. Got to see those two. Um, but, you know, with a lot of New Bedford scenery, the cobblestone streets and, you know, even Fairhaven, some of the, the downtown area and the, just the obviously the scenic ocean views, Fort Phoenix and all of that. And a lot of the history here and a lot of the historical structure, it's definitely become an attractive place for uh, filmmaking. So that could play I think that could play a role. I think that's on the table too, uh, obviously. You know, there's there's also the discussion about community needs and, and what can be met with the Ashry Jail. But I think there's a lot of cool history there. I'm always for historical preservation. But, you know, there are other, obviously, especially New Bedford, some pretty dire community needs that need to be met. So that's a really interesting conversation that can be had throughout the course of this whole discussion. Again, this is going to take a while and we're going to be covering it here at WBSM. I got to take one more break before the hour. We'll be right back. The WBSM app is... favorite second favorite Jimi hendrix song probably first is little wing but that's my second 
Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. We've been talking about the closure, uh, Haro's proposed closure of Ash Street, which he the, he broke that news here on South Coast Tonight yesterday. Um, I'm going to move on to the Title V uh, septic uh, regulations that have been proposed in Dartmouth. We're hoping to have Chris Markey join us in the 9 o'clock hour. I know he's pretty uh, heavily into that um, into that uh, public meeting uh, on the septic issue, but it is really important uh, for you know a lot of people in, in in this listening audience for sure, and throughout southeastern Massachusetts. I know Senator Montigny filed some legislation to put DEP in check, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about that. But we can take your calls and app chat messages and whatever you want. If you want to still talk about Ash Street, that's fine. We can do that. But we'll also talk about um, we'll talk about the septic issue too. So this is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, and uh, and stay tuned. 